It's time now for Green Visions, a KUMD production to encourage green thinking and green actions. Green Visions is made possible by the Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future. This morning, Green Visions hops across the pond to talk with Julia Nurbon from Interfaith Power and Light. She is in Glasgow, Scotland, and she is at the U.S. Climate Action Center, joining us from the 2021 United Nations Climate Change Conference. Hey, Julia, good morning, and it's great to talk with you. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me on your show. So in case folks are not familiar, if they've maybe been listening with half an ear to news stories coming out of Glasgow in the last week, can you talk a little bit about what the conference is all about? Well, this is a a meeting of, I think it's 195 or more countries who have come together to try to collectively solve this pretty crazy problem that we collectively have um, and try to keep the world on track to have no more than 1.5 degree warming. And so there are leaders from all of these different countries who are uh, getting together to write an accord um, that will illustrate what our commitments are to reducing carbon in each of our each of our contexts. Yesterday, you spoke on a panel about line three at the U.S. Climate Action Center. Who were some of the people on the panel? And I'm also wondering, uh, you know, the, the unfortunately, the or fortunately, however you look at it, the pipeline went through. So why talk about the pipeline in that panel discussion yesterday? You know, it's interesting. You know, we're here to try to figure out one of the toughest problems that humanity has ever had to try to solve. Um, and it's going to take nations... Um, you know, across the world, making um, absolutely bold commitments to reducing our carbon footprint. And, um, you know, one of the line three um, is going to be is currently running over 760,000 barrels a day of oil, which is the equivalent of 50 coal fired power plants. Um, And I was shocked when I learned a couple of years ago that this is equal to more than the entire emissions of the state of Minnesota. Um, combined, or at least the 2016 numbers. And so if we are serious about reducing carbon and um, achieving the 1.5 goal, we have to be um, stopping all new fossil fuel projects. Unfortunately, what this pipeline does is it makes it possible for them to develop the tar sands in Alberta, Canada, um, and to to move that oil to the world market. And um, so, you know, we are at the front lines of trying to stop that carbon from entering the global system. Um, You know, we don't believe that this fight is over. We believe that oil is running through the pipeline today, but that with a stroke of his pen, Biden could stop that. Um, And so if Biden is unable to to pass really bold federal legislation, um, this may be the next uh, the next way that he can help the U.S. meet its commitments to the world. Indigenous people, I had heard it, I had, I had heard it mentioned that indigenous people frequently have to move their concerns to the world stage, in particular the United Nations. Is that tied in to why you feel it's so important that this uh, story of the indigenous resistance to Line 3 be brought to this conference? You know, I think that, um, so I was on the panel with um, a number of 
um, indigenous activists, um, including great grandmother Mary Lyons, who's been an incredible um, inspiration for so many of us during the Line 3 conflict. And um, so um, we are here because, uh, you know, the U.N. has identified uh, what has happened in Minnesota as an international human rights emergency. Um, they um, are concerned about the fact that we have a militarized um, uh, northern Minnesota that is, um, you know, in which the police have been paid essentially by the company to, um, to you know, arrest and detain protesters. Um, so, you know, the, the United Nations is certainly concerned about this. Um, what was uh, what was powerful in this in this panel that we did yesterday is that we told the story of how it is that indigenous knowledge um, really is going to be the key to um, getting us to, um, you know, to collectively solve this problem. You know, one of the experiences I had uh, in the line three resistance was that I got to stand by the Mississippi River, the upper parts of the Mississippi River, um, together with Native uh, leaders and, um, you know, saw hundreds of faith leaders from across Minnesota praying by the river. And, you know, this conference is quite chaotic. There's, you know, um, you know, thousands of people who each have a message that they're trying to, you know, bring to the world. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to be because we have um, sort of shifted our worldview to one in which, um, you know, simply continuing to operate the status quo is not uh, prevailing um, a place where we really value human life and the sacredness of water as driving our um, driving our actions. And I, I would not say that that is the feeling I get at this conference right now. And so bringing that message to this conference, I think, has been essential. Um, and being there with, um, you know, Grandmother Mary Lyons uh, and listening to her bless the world leaders um, and to ask that we, um, you know, connect first with the earth and then with the water uh, before we begin to uh, make these critical decisions that are going to impact all of our future um, was totally an inspiration, as it has been, you know, f throughout the last couple of years as I've been together with Native leaders on the ground. The U.S. has come under a lot of criticism. Uh, Greta Thunberg, for one, and I've heard a couple of other young activists really take the U.S. and uh, Biden to task for saying the right thing. There was immediate criticism after former President Obama spoke uh, the other day. There was immediate criticism for the U.S. saying the right thing but not doing enough or the right thing. Uh, what's your reaction to that? You know, I, I just think Greta is right on, you know, two of the narratives that she's offered this conference, which I've heard spoken, you know, many dozens of times as I've been talking to people across the pavilion, um, is that, you know, this is a festival of, of you know, a, a festival of greenwashing um, and that, the you know, the northern countries, those with economic power um, are not um, are not addressing this with the seriousness that is required. Um, you know, so she says this is a whole lot of more blah, blah, blah. And um, what we really need is to get to yes. And um, and to do that, it's going to take some pretty radical um, shift to the way that we think about um, humanity and about the way we think about, you know, finances and um, capital. We cannot simply leave the structures in place that have gotten us to this place in the first place. So, 
you know, what does that mean for us in Minnesota? I mean, the eyes of the world are on Minnesota right now, not only because of the George Floyd uprisings, but also because of Line 3. Um, and they are, are hoping that we can, as a people, come to understand not only each other, um, but to model for the world what it looks like to, to, to really shift our way of doing business. Um, and to be totally honest, I don't feel like that's, um, you know, I don't wake up in the morning and feel like, like we are winning um, in that arena. I feel, uh, you know, a lot of grief around uh, line three and the fact that oil is running through the pipeline. Um, there's, you know, over 900 people who are awaiting um, court process around uh, resisting line three. And I just want to say that, you know, these people are not the enemy. Um, the enemy is the um, is the assumption that we can do business as usual and that a multinational company um, can, uh, you know, use the land of Minnesota and the sacred wild rice beds of Minnesota um, to be able to transport oil in order to make money. Um, and these, you know, there's over 500 people from the fossil fuel industry here at this conference. And, you know, of course, they're trying to, to decarbonize in tiny ways. Um, but it's not about decarbonizing in tiny ways. It's about changing the way that we do business entirely. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning, you mentioned this accord that the nations are signing. And if I am remembering my democracy now carefully enough from earlier in the week, which I might not be, uh, President Biden had not yet signed it. Where does that stand? Has the uh, United States signed on to this accord? You know, I spoke with a, um, a woman who's a par- one of the delegates from uh, Kenya this morning. Um, she was wearing a backpack that was made in Minnesota, and we had a wonderful talk as we were standing outside, uh, right outside the gate of the conference. We have prayer flags from across Minnesota and Wisconsin um, that are uh, lining the fence um, so people, as they're walking in, can read the messages from Minnesotans. It's just absolutely beautiful. So she stopped by to read these messages and have a conversation with us. And she said, you know, uh, your country is still not in. Uh, without the United States, we don't have anything. And um, it's it's really, um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit too much for my, my human heart to handle. It's a lot of responsibility. And, you know, so we do need our leaders to um, see not only, um, you know, what, seems possible, but also um, to make what is necessary happen. And, um, you know, that's going to take prayer. It's going to take creativity. It's going to take seeing each other in a whole new way. Um, So, no, we have not uh, we have not signed on to 1.5 commitment at this point. And we aren't even willing to um, sign something that says that this is indeed a human rights um, issue. There's an Article 6 of the Paris Accord, which is looking at um, the loss and damage and the responsibility that rich nations have to poor nations who are more impacted by climate change. And um, the U.S. has not been willing to admit that this is a human rights issue. Um, and we think that that's a would be a really good first step. So I encourage you, I'm about to go meet with Betty McCollum and a group of Minnesotans. Um, she's here right now in a negotiation session upstairs. Um, you know, we need our U.S. leaders to um, to be honest that it's a human rights issue and um, and we have to change business as usual. And so if any of you are out there listening, if you're able to give a phone call to your representatives and let them know that um, that you're watching and listening for the outcome of the pair of the, uh, the Glasgow uh, climate conference, um, that would be a, an excellent way to take action. Julia, thank you so very much for joining us this morning. I really appreciate it. Thanks again. You're welcome.
Julia Nurban this morning and joined us from Glasgow. She's with Interfaith Power and Light, and she joined us this morning from the 2021 United Nations Climate Change Conference in Glasgow, Scotland. Green Visions on KUMD is made possible by support from Heritage Window and Door, the Duluth Superior supplier for renewal by Anderson Windows and Doors, and from Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future.